I want to take this time to thank you for all your support for my Meet the Mentor podcast. Over the past year, we've been ranked in the top 100 in over 106 countries, and we're in the top two and a half percentile worldwide for all podcasts. And that's just not possible without you. So in the midst of the holiday season, I would like to just take a moment and thank all of you for listening. Please share this with your friends. Um, I hope you have an amazing end of your year and a bright path to a new year. Enjoy the holidays. The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Dr. Bill is a TV host, New York Times bestselling author, two-time Guinness World Book record holder, fitness guru, celebrity cosmetic dentist, and philanthropist who founded the Leap Foundation. Here's Dr. Bill. Hey, Dr. Bill here. So I am super duper excited to introduce you to our next mentor. This woman has a very, very near and dear place in my heart. I'll tell you about it in a second. Leap 2022 will be live and virtual July 17th to the 24th at UCLA. We're hoping to have all 500 students again. And this year, thousands upon thousands listening virtually. We have some new connections and some new relationships that are going to enable us to reach kids that would never, ever, ever be able to get to leap before. So we're super excited about it. We've got some amazing speakers. I've got Usher committed again. We're going to have Richard Branson this year, Paula Abdul, and more and more and more. And hopefully we could get Miss Jackie Pittman to show up live as well. Um, but it shall be an amazing adventure. You got to be vaccinated. That's a UCLA law, not mine, but I agree with it. And um, yeah, it should be super fun. So meet the mentor today is somebody who I will tell you a little bit about after I read the formal introduction, because we have a very, very special relationship. Jackie Pittman is owner of Pittman Casting Inc., a full-service reality television casting company in Los Angeles. As a casting director, Pittman is currently casting ABC's Kids Say the Darndest Things, hosted and executive produced by Tiffany Haddish, also CBS's Let's Make a Deal, hosted by my favorite, Wayne Brady, and The Price is Right with Drew Carey, and the 2021 reboot of America's Most Wanted. Pittman executive produced, created, and cast in partnership with Asylum Entertainment to Roam for Love for Bravo Television, and also to Roam for Love followed five single African-American women as they head to Italy to find themselves while searching for love. Oh my gosh. Pittman also developed and co-executive produced ABC's hit plastic surgery show, The Original Extreme Makeover, while working as VP of Development for Lighthearted Entertainment with our dear Howard Schultz. She also created and executive produced the MTV hit, dating show next. She is now living in California and Pittman produces a, is a product of a humble beginnings herself and wherever possible, she focuses on her charitable efforts 
to aid foster care communities in need. Jackie, welcome to Meet the Mentor. Um, and before we do this, I just have to say, y'all, Jackie's the one who cast me on ABC's Extreme Makeover. And um, it was one of those pivotal moments in my life. And I always tell students that attend LEAP that there will be life-defining moments. And sometimes you plan them, sometimes you don't. Sometimes they just happen. Sometimes, you know, you, you never know when it's going to happen. And I remember clear as day, the day I met Jackie Pittman, um, we were filming the pilot for Extreme Makeover. Um, we had spoken on the phone a few times. It was the first time we met face to face. I had no idea what was happening. And we were running late and it was getting later and later. And I brought my mom with me because I thought, oh, what the heck? And I'm like, hey, you know, should I just go home? And she's like, are you crazy? <laughs> this is how TV works. And I'm like, what? She said, just trust me, sit down, shut up and just trust me. Remember that Jackie? And I did. And it was one of the smartest things I ever did. So let's go back to how did you get into this whole world of entertainment? Oh, I, um, I always growing up, you know, I always wanted to be a lawyer, entertainment lawyer, or some form of entertainment. So I, I started, I went to school at Long Beach State, Cal State University. I majored in radio, TV, and film. I did a ton of internships. Um, why, and I worked full-time. I had three jobs. <laughs> and, and one full-time job gave me- You grew up in a very wealthy family, didn't you, Jackie? Yeah, no, not at all. I put myself through school. I was a foster kid from seven to 18 years old. So the notion of even going to school was a foreign idea or a thought, but I made it happen. And so um, when I went to college, I had three jobs. And um, one of which was a full-time job. I was a manager and they gave me two weeks off a year. And I took those 10 days, split them in half, and made those my studio internship days. So it, it, that was the launch of my that was the launch of my career. My first paycheck from anybody that was in entertainment was Rick Dees, and I know you guys probably don't even remember who he is. But oh, Ryan, I know Rick, <laughs> but Ryan Seacrest took over for him. But I was Rick's first paid intern. I worked in his office, um, Kiss FM, at Rick Dees' office. Uh, for a year and a half when I was in college. So, and that's how I started television. You your big break in entertainment or maybe a bigger break happened later on? Was that my big break? Um, no, I don't even know. Like every break was a big break for me. I, you know, one of the things is I, I guess I had a bit of an infectious personality. So I would meet people and at Kiss FM, I met a girl who worked at Channel 9, and she gave me a job there. And then from there, um, I applied at Love Connection. Um, I got the job there. And then from there, I went to Fox. Let's go through your job history. You started off at Kiss FM with Rick Dees. From there, was your next job with Lighthearted with Howard? No, not at all. I started off at Kiss FM and then I went to KHJ to a public affairs program about women called Frankly Female. 
and I was a paid intern AP there. And that was my really first opportunity being in, in a television studio. And what were you I, doing? Just get how old, get, how, how old was I? I was 25. Right. I, you know, I put myself through school. It took me like five years to get through. Um, and the job that I got at Kiss FM, as crazy as it sounds, I got it because my sister worked at a bank and her boss was best friends with Rick's assistant and um, Rick's secretary. And my sister would always go and brag about me wanting to be in TV. And next thing she knows, she's like, well, let me set you up with an interview. And I got it. And now, so what were you doing as an intern? Oh, God, everything from answering the phones, opening the mail, getting the coffee, just manning the office if he wasn't there. Um, I also got to, because he was a very well-known disc jockey, he always did a ton of public appearances. So I was able to go to those. He, he was a comedian, so he performed at the Ice House in Pasadena or Kiss Event and had a promotion truck. So if he was there, I was able to go and experience that. And then just because he was the most popular morning disc jockey in the United States at the time, every celebrity would come through his office in the mornings. So I saw, you know, from Michael Jackson to, you know, Magic Johnson to like everybody. It was just, it was, it was a fascinating experience for me. The thing that it did show me though, is I didn't want to be in radio. <laughs> I really wanted to be in television. And it was mainly because unless you were a famous disc jockey, no one would ever remember your work. Unless you were Howard Stern or Rick Dees or Ryan Seacrest, and you say something profound that people remember, no one would ever remember your work. You, and you would never be able to see it later. So that's really what steered me even more so in the television direction. My first passion was horror movies. So I really wanted to do horror movies, but I never, I never took that path. I started so, making money. So when did you actually enter like the TV world? Um, so here's a good story. Uh, when I graduated, I was working three jobs full-time and right. one job was full-time and the others were part-time. So I was working seven days a week. I worked at um, the Queen Mary as assistant to the entertainment director on weekends. I did that big fireworks show. I was a stage manager of that. I just had a bunch of little jobs. I worked at Sears um, and I worked for an import export company. So when I graduated, I said, okay, I've got my degree in hand in radio, TV, and film, minor journalism. I need to do something with it. Um, I did the thing that every person tells you never to do. Never just blindly send your resumes out. So I took the Hollywood Reporter, which most people don't even um, it, you know, read right now, but they do. The Hollywood Reporter, we used to get hard copies of it. And in the back, they had production, television and film. I took my resume and sent it to every single production company you could find in the back of the Hollywood Reporter. And it was just a cover letter to who, who, to whom it may concern, which right. they always said, don't do to whom it may concerns, whatever stuff. I did it. I got tons of rejection letters. Ah, and I was amazed. I was happy because it meant they read it. <laughs> and right. I was like, I was excited. I was like, oh my God, I got a rejection letter from Cheers. I got a rejection letter from, and, and then I got a phone call. And the phone call was from ABC. 
And it was, I still remember the day, head of human resources, his name was Jonathan Tanishi. And he called me and he said, I got your resume and I would like to bring you in for an interview for our news department. And I'm like, oh my God, it worked. You know, I even got a rejection letter from Oprah, <laughs> Oprah's company. So I, you know, I go in, I had to borrow somebody's car because I lived in Long Beach and I didn't think my car was going to make it all the way to Hollywood. So my friend gave me his car and I went to the meeting and I was all dressed up and I go into Jonathan's office and I meet him. And the first thing he says to me, he says, I have to tell you something. He said, your resume was so impressive. He said, I have never seen a resume with so much work experience wow. on it. And you hadn't even graduated from college. And so then I was like, yeah. <laughs> so he says, I really like you. I would like to, um, you know, offer you a job in the entertainment, in the news department, but you have to take a typing test. I'd never taken typing. <laughs> I'd never taken a typing class. And so I took the test. I had never taken a typing class in all my years of college school. I didn't go vocational way back in the day. They're like, if you're college prep, you don't do certain classes. So I did. I never took typing class. So needless to say, I failed miserably. He gave it. He let me take it three times in his office. And so then I'm horrified. And he says, OK, this is a union job. And if I hire anyone who's not a part of the family already, as opposed to promoting someone to it, they have to meet the standards of the other union members. So he said, I got to get you to pass a typing test. He said, I have one other option for you. He said, I have someone going, going on maternity leave. And um, when she goes on leave, I can bring in a temp. So I'll bring you in an attempt. I want you to take a typing class during that period. And... I want everybody in that department to fall in love with you as much as I love you. And he says, and then when she comes back, we may be able to move you right into the department. I was like, wow. So he said, give me a month. She's about to go on leave and then we'll orchestrate that. So I went back home on a high. And when I got home, I got another call from Love Connection, the dating show. And so... I, they called me in and I had no interest in working there full-time by any means. I just, I, they had a field rep position where you go to bars and you sign people up because I was single and I was always out and you go to bar. I was like, that's perfect for me. I can recruit single people. And I went in and by the time I got home, there was a message on my phone and they said, we want to hire you full-time immediately. We love your personality. And I was like, oh no, because there were a lot of things that had to happen. I had to quit my job, which I was a manager and I had to take a $2,000 a month pay cut, which was a lot of money <laughs> for me. And, um, and I had to get a car because <laughs> I couldn't drive to Hollywood. So were you actually, then you were casting for Love Connection. You yeah, were I, so, so I called, actually I called, your first casting job. It was. And I called Jonathan at ABC and I told him that I had accepted another position. Yeah. And that was that changed the trajectory of my life. I probably could have been at ABC on CNN or somewhere else. God only knows. Right. But I definitely wouldn't have been in horror movies. But um, yeah, it changed. It changed my life. That one decision. Yeah. 
So you worked on Love Connection for how long? I worked on Love Connection for two and a half years. And, and that and was a very... And I, Howard? No, I hadn't met him yet. Um, there, that's a great story with him and that, but I, uh, that show was really hard. And it, in the two and a half years I was there, 60 people had been fired, <laughs> come and gone sick. And that show had been on the air for 12 seasons already. So for me, I was like, this is amazing. Um, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to keep this job. I loved it because I met a ton of people and I was able to use my personality. And it was also kind of like the precursor to like real reality TV, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of paid way. So, right. So one day I got a phone call from um, Howard and he says, we're starting a new show here at Fox. And I hear you're the person we need in our casting department. And he said, because he had hired some of the producers who had come from Love Connection, they're like, you got to get Jackie. And so I was like, oh my God, well, I'm head of casting here at Love Connection. And he says, well, we have no head here. And I, he says, and this show is only guaranteed for six weeks. And so I'm like, oh my God, I'm on a show that is year round. 12 seasons going into 13th season. And I'm considering jumping ship for a show that's only guaranteed for six weeks, same amount of money I was making and no title. (laughs) But I took the risk. I took the risk. And it was very funny. He was was interesting. He took me to lunch because he wanted to meet me in person. It was the first time an executive producer had ever like taken me to lunch or anything. So he took me to lunch and he told me he really liked me. And then he called me that night and told me he was not going to hire me. And then I was devastated because I'm like, I thought I, you know, I thought I did a great interview. And and he said, I'm not going to hire you because I'm really good friends with your boss. He said, and the only way I would hire you is if he gave his blessing. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I said, well, that's crazy, you know, because you can't go to my boss and say, I want to hire your head of casting away. And that's what, that's what he did. He called the executive producer and he says, um, and they're competitors because they were both dating shows. And right. this was for Fox. And Love Connection was the grandfather, you know, no show other than the dating game. Had been on the air. This wasn't uh, for the makeover. This was for another show. What, for Howard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I met Howard uh, on a dating show. And then he started his company um, and I, he, 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 he started a court show first through his company and I would, he hired me as an AP after the dating show and I would always go in and um, he took a liking to me immediately and I would always go in and pitch him show ideas. And so he say, you know, I love your enthusiasm, but that's not a show. (laughs) So he then started his company and he said, I'm going to start my company and I'd like you to be my first employee. Would you be my assistant? And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) I said, I will not be your assistant. I said, I don't want to be tied to a phone. I'm really disorganized. And I said, I'll work for free. I said, you take the money you were going to pay me and hire an assistant. And just, just let me learn from you. 
And in six months, I mean, I didn't say in six months, I said, when we sell our first show, then you can pay me double what I'm making now. <laughs> Mark, so let, let's, let's take a minute and talk about Extreme Makeover, okay? Mm -hmm. um, now, I might be wrong on this. So maybe, you know, you have more insight, but I got a phone call. My first phone call was from Howard Schultz. Mm -hmm. I thought it was Starbucks. So I got super excited, <laughs> um, but it was another nice Jewish man. So Howard gets on the phone and he starts talking to me about the show. Mm -hmm. and my first reservation was, you know, what if they exploit these patients? Like reality TV hadn't really been born yet. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know where it was going. And I asked Howard point blank, like, why do you want to do a show like this? Right. And he said, you know, when I was growing up, mm -hmm. people always teased me about my big nose. And I, is this true? And I had a it's complex. It's very true. It's and very, very true. Wanted to change it, but I felt so uncomfortable about it. So I want to make people feel comfortable about surgically changing themselves. Well, that was the tip of the iceberg. Look what's happened since then. Like some of these people on TV, we don't even recognize year after year. But uh, that kind of opened up the floodgate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you as a casting director had two jobs. You had to first cast the doctors and then cast the patients, right? Well, basically, when Howard came up with the idea of Extreme Makeover, I remember we were working on another show for NBC. And he came into the office and he says, I have this idea for a makeover show. I said, what is it? And he says, how about plastic surgery married to a makeover show? And I said, plastic surgery? And I'm like, that's crazy. You know, I'm like, I'm like, that's nuts. And I'm like, who would buy it? And so it actually, we had actually gone to Fox first. And then um, his agent called ABC at the same time. He, and then my job as head of development was to figure out what it looked like. So he says, all right, plastic surgery makeover, you go tell me what that looks like. And I'm like, okay. So I took all the premises of what you could do for a makeover, uh, just a basic makeover. And I knew nothing about plastic surgery. Jen Cole was our host for a show that we had sold um, years prior called Sex Wars. And so she worked in Garth Fisher's office, was a plastic surgeon. And so Howard had talked to Jen and Jen said, Garth will sit down and talk to you. So we took a meeting with Garth Fisher and we sat down and Garth was very skeptical, skeptical as well because we didn't know anything about plastic surgery. And Garth was really educating us on the type of surgeries, what surgeries are better, who you can do surgery on, like everything. It was just filling our head with knowledge. And the one thing he said in that meeting, which was profound was, he said, I don't care what kind of surgery I do on someone. I could do the best facelift in the world, but if they don't have a beautiful smile, the first thing you're gonna notice is their teeth. You're not gonna notice the work I did. So you have to meet Bill Dorfman. And Jennifer had mentioned your name to us already because you were her dentist. And, um, and so that's what gave us the tip to you. 
And yeah. Like, yeah. And the crazy thing was for the pilot, we really didn't, you know, get into dentistry that much. I basically, we had three patients. I did Zoom tooth whitening on all three of them. And then our numbers from the pilot were huge. And ABC picked us up for our first season. And that's when we had another meeting. And I'm like, okay. And I kind of did with you guys what Garth did. I'm like, look, this is what we can do dentally. Mm -hmm. And we started off doing kind of easy stuff, like a little bonding here, a little whitening, pour some veneers. And then we went like, like jaw surgery and like crazy. The one thing, Bill, with Zoom, to you, it was like, well, we can't do much, a little bit Zoom. But it was really funny because we started getting phone calls from people just talking about how their life had changed just by going to the dentist and getting their teeth whitened. And it was like, wow, you know, it may have been a little thing called Zoom, but it was a big thing to dentistry, you know, and to the average person who was afraid to go to the dentist, you know, and just they're like, well, if I get my teeth whitened. Well, you need to understand as a dentist, and I don't know if you've ever heard me say this before, but prior to extreme makeover, dentistry did not have a good rap in media. I mean, Little Shop of Horrors, Marathon Man, I mean, we were always either joked about or we were the torture. This is the first time ever that dentistry is highlighted in primetime TV in a really positive light where people actually got to see all the benefits of dentistry. And the cool thing about being the dentist on the show is, you know, people may have been critical and like, oh, she didn't need a facelift or she didn't need her breasts done or she, nobody ever said, keep them with the bad teeth. Like everybody kind of agreed, like, yeah, fixing your teeth was a good idea. And, you know, uh, right off the bat, Garth was really skeptical and also because he thought, what's the plastic surgery community going to say? You know, maybe I'm going to start getting, you know, criticized by plastic surgeons for doing plastic surgery on TV. Like the dental world literally embraced the show. I would be walking through airports and dentists would come up and hug me and say, thank you for what you've done for dentistry. Like, it was like my idea. I'm like, I'm just the dentist on the show. Like I didn't create, but they literally dentists around the world thought that it was my idea to do the show and to do the dentistry on it. You know, so I got a lot of credit I didn't deserve, but I'll tell you one really funny story. I got a lot of patients that came to me from all over the world for cosmetic dentistry. Um, Most people just went to their dentist, but there's this one woman, and I'm going to use her name because she's going to watch this and laugh. Her name is Sandy Hassel, and we have become very good friends over the years, and she had a lot of dental problems that nobody could solve, and she came in, and I was the first dentist to really listen to her help her and get her in a really comfortable place. So one day, Sandy Hassel and her husband, she was, she's a Southern woman, and she is a tough Southern woman. And she's in an airport with her husband, and there's a bar with a TV screen. And I'm on, right? Extreme Makeover is playing. It's Thursday night, and I'm on. And some guy next to her goes, ah, look at those fake doctors. They're all full of blah, blah, blah. And her husband said, sir? You can say whatever you want 
about any dentist, but don't talk about that dentist there because my wife will floor you. <laughs> I have to tell you, Bill, um, that show in my career, and I've been doing television now over 30 years, and it's like there will never be another show so rewarding in my life. It's spiritually. I, I cried so many times in the edit bay watching these people transform. Unlike any other reality show where people want to be on TV, want to, you know, look at me, want their 15 minutes of fame. The people we chose, especially in the beginning, we know when we were producing the, the people we chose were the last thing in the world they wanted to do was be in front of a camera. Well, but you, know people, you found people who really were suffering. I mean, cleft lip, cleft palate. I mean, these, oh my gosh, I'll never forget. So, you know, people don't know this, the other side, but a lot of these patients would stay at Lapeer Hotel for about two months, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not with their family. They're not, they're all alone. Nope. And nope. at the time, I had a, a really big house in Beverly Hills. So I used to invite the patients to come on Thursday nights and it was like a ritual and they would come there and we would all watch ex- the, you know, the, the extreme makeover together. And it was a really, really fun evening. And I'll never forget my daughter, Charlie was, she was like four at the time. And, you know, you have to understand, like you guys scoured the country to find the most unusual things. Like, you know, and I was standing by the door, so I wasn't close enough to intercede fast. And they, all these patients, these were all pre-surgical patients, are sitting on the couch. And my daughter said, oh, my gosh, you have a really big nose. And then goes to the next one, wow, your ears are big. Well, I'm like, I'm, I'm like dying. And I run over and I grab. Like, Charlie, you can't do that. But it's like, you literally, I mean, we had a patient you brought me that had a hundred teeth, like a hundred teeth. Like I've never seen anything like that. It was nuts. And I'll tell you one of the, one of the makeovers that touched my heart the most was a woman who had a bilateral cleft lip cleft palate so you know a cleft lip is where somebody basically has a hole like their their face doesn't form this woman had it on both sides and she was gorgeous when we finished and and i looked at her and i said my gosh you are just beautiful she said dr bill my goal for going on this show was to just feel normal one day and I, I I start crying she goes you don't understand every time I walked in a room in my life I knew that people were looking at me in a weird way and a lot of people couldn't even look at me she goes for the first time in my life I can walk in a room and just feel like a normal person and that was a gift. That was a gift. And, you know, I've stayed in touch with almost every patient that we've had on the show. And, and you know, people always ask me, like, how are their lives now? Great. 
their lives are great. I mean, this was a real there. I don't think there was a single person who regretted trusting you, Jackie. And I know there were a few of them where you really had to hold their hand and say, hey, just trust me, this is going to come out, you know, really well. And it did. You know, even more than that, you guys as doctors, I mean, I'm just saying you were celebrity elite doctors. You know, you're used to dealing with the top of the top of the top. And you, your bedside manner with these guys who so many of them in a million years would not have had the ability to be treated by you. You treated them just like they were your celebrities. You know what I mean? So it was, it was a beautiful thing. I think we found lightning in a bottle. I mean, it was, it was, it was an amazing show and all of us were in it for the right reasons, you yeah. know, and it, you know, there were a lot of plastic surgery shows that have come after ours and each one had its own success in certain ways, but none ever did what we did. Yeah. You know, they never did what we did. You're and cool. years later, years later, you'd run into someone and their lives were still forever changed. And I don't think, I don't think I'll ever even work on another show that has that impact on someone's life for the rest of their life. You know, and a regular plastic surgery show can do that for the rest of your life. But this was di different. This we went we went deeper than skin deep Yeah, with these people. And so thank you. You know, yeah. uh, well, thank you, you, you. Changed, you, you know, you changed my heart when it came to television and you changed their lives forever. So and, and know, I thank uh, you give you a little tangent on this too, because this is something I talked about at LEAP. But, you know, I always say when, when students come to LEAP, if I can, I mean, we try and teach them a lot, but if I can just get these two things into their brain, I feel we succeed. Number one, don't wait for opportunities, make them. And number two, when you get an opportunity, don't take it, master it. And there's a big difference. Mm -hmm. When I watched the first few episodes of Extreme Makeover, I felt very comfortable with myself as a dentist, not so much with the TV stuff. You know, you do these things, people don't know, they're called OTFs. It's an on-the-fly interview. So that's where they basically stick a camera in your face and say, Dr. Dorfman, tell me what you just did. I'd be like, uh, you know. And so I took classes. I took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting classes. I worked with Ramey Warren Black, who trains all the kids on American Idol. And, and, and I worked and I worked to develop that so that, you know, when they put the camera on me, I could engage with the audience and share the emotions that these patients were experiencing. Because without that, you didn't really have an emotional connection to the show. And, you know, it, this show changed my life forever too. I mean, it, it was, it was a, an amazing thing all the way around. So without dwelling on Extreme Makeover so much, after this, you went to a bunch of other shows. Right now, I know you're casting for um, The Price is Right. Yeah, The Price is Right, yeah. Or one of my 
favorite all-time shows, Let's Make a Deal. I mean, I grew up watching Monty Hall. Every time I was sick, that was my favorite thing. I'd sit home, watch Monty Hall on Let's Make a Deal. And um, I wanted to ask you, if I'm a young student watching this and I really want to get into the, the world of TV casting, what do I do? Um, you know, I still create content too through my casting company, so which is great. Um, I think anybody wanting to enter in, the best thing is to, if you want to get into casting, find a company that casts the type of shows that you like work, that you like watching, you know, because we do a myriad of shows. I mean, I, I cast America's Most Wanted, you know, which was, <laughs> I cast the reenactment people for that. I don't cast the criminals, but I cast the reenactment people for, for the criminals, you know, as well as those kinds of shows, you know, find, find someone who, one of the things that helped me in my career, two things. Number one, I did a ton of internships and there's no pay there in most of those. How do you so, get those? I mean, like if I said, okay, I want to do an internship in casting, like, where do I go? What do I do? Like I said, look at the shows that you like watching, find the casting company that casts that show and pick up the phone or send an email. It's that simple. We are all accessible. We are all completely accessible. You can look on LinkedIn. If you look on LinkedIn, you could probably find every single person who has a job <laughs> that you can reach through LinkedIn. We all have Instagram or Facebook pages. So um, I get emails all the time from people who want internships, uh, you know, and I offer them. So, but I would, I would say don't work at a company just because it's casting. Work at a company that does the type of programming that you like to watch or that you believe in so that you really are learning something. Um, secondly, I, you have to take risks. Our industry, unlike any other industry, and I, I say any other, and it might be a little exaggeratory, but I believe it's any other industry where you can have five jobs in one year and it not look bad on your resume. <laughs> Most places, they want longevity. They want to, why did you leave? You were there for, you were only there for a year. What happened? You, you skipped around a lot. In our industry, it's the best thing for you. Because number one, shows only last X amount of time. Even if they are on the air for a long period of time, their production period is short. So you have to be able to be flexible, move to different shows. It looks great on your resume because it gives you more experience and a wide range of experience. Um, so that's super important. With what a lot about, of what about educationally, like, like how important is that? Do you know if, if I'm going to apply for an internship, are they going to say, well, did you go to college? Where'd you go? What'd you take? What was your major? Or do they just not even care? That's a good question. You know, I'm a huge advocate for college. I think it does two things. It prepares you. It, it, it prepares you for the world. You meet people from all walks of life in college and disciplines you unlike being in high school where your parents were like you got to get up and go to school there's nobody telling you you have to get up and go to school this has to be a drive and a fire and a passion that lives within you to complete college 
And I think it just sets us up for what the real world is, where we have to have the drive to survive. And it, college is great for that. It also is great for networking. I have friends from college that I'm still really good friends with. And if I see a resume that comes in that says Long Beach State, I take that extra time and moment to reach out to them to just see, you know, who this person is. Because I went to Long Beach State. There's a little common alumni. That's my job as an alumni to hold a hand out for the next one coming up. So um, I, I support college. I know a lot of people don't. Now, to answer your question, no, you don't have to have a college degree. You know, if you have a college degree from an Ivy League school, they seem to get all the really big, well-paid jobs <laughs> in business. Right. In the business of television, because television really is about making money and sponsorship and advertising and that kind of stuff. But as far as the creative, no, you don't have to have a college degree to be creative. A so lot of people in this industry don't have degrees. Your advice is really try to find an internship where you can kind of get your foot in the door. And what a lot of students don't realize is sometimes those internships are either very little pay or no pay. So you may need to like wait tables at night to feed yourself while you're learning this. But, you know, if you pursue it, it can be a great payoff. And I've hired people who were just for the summer, had a summer internship, worked for me, went back to school, graduated, and then came back and worked full-time. One of my employees has been with me at least eight years. And she's she's been with me since she was in college when she, and she's from Connecticut. So it's, you know, in my internship, the woman, my internship at KCAL, that woman, I'm still really good friends with, you know, and I, and, it's been 30 years, like really good friends, like really close friends. And I met her at Kiss FM and she took me to KCAL. So, All right. yeah. So internships. All and, right. Oh, and the other thing I just want to say is they always say it's who you know. It is who you know, but what's really important is the impression you made on them when you first met them. That's really important. I agree 100%. All right. So, what's next for Jackie Pittman? Oh my God, that's a big question. No, um, you know, I create content. So my casting company is still, COVID was tough on a lot of people and I have 40 to 50 employees all working from home. Uh, but our casting company is, is alive and well and we're doing really big shows and that's great, but I also create content. So I'm creating shows and pitching and selling and I have several that have been optioned. So we're just, we're just waiting for something to sell and take off. I work with all the networks, which has been great. And now streamers, which is a whole nother, you know, that's a little different than the networks that everything's always evolving and changing. And we have to, we have to do that with it. You know, you yeah. know, if, yeah, if any of my students watching want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Instagram or LinkedIn or. Uh, email me, uh, Jackie at pitmancasting.com. That's J A C Q U I at pitman, P I T M A N casting.com. That's awesome. 
Jackie, thank you so much. Um, I know you've been a, a mentor live at LEAP several times. I hope that you can join us again this summer. And um, I just love you. I mean, I just love you. That's all I can say. So thank you. I love you too. Thank you. All right, Dr. Bill. To learn more about the LEAP Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leapfoundation or on Instagram at leapfoundation. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.